Hey there, welcome back to the Breastfeeding Talk podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Kinser, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant and Certified Specialist in Oral Facial Myology, and I am the founder of Holistic Lactation, which I would actually like to let you know that my company, Holistic Lactation, is the sponsor of this podcast. So I'm not taking any outside sponsors to get this podcast going. And if you didn't know, of course, I do see patients locally here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I also do telehealth video visits with clients online. But beyond that, I do have a series of online courses and there's more in the works. I've got one called the All About Ties Masterclass. This is basically start to finish everything uh, Uh, most parents need to know about tongue, lip, and buckle ties in their babies. I've also got a masterclass called Healing Food Intolerances, and it's all about, you know, if your baby is one of those colicky babies, spitting up a lot, has baby acne, diaper rashes, thrush, any of those signs that there are some food intolerances going on, this course will walk you through how to recognize those things and what you can do to heal those things. Uh, and not put band-aids on them like reflux medications and things of that nature. And just so you know, it's not really enough to just eliminate a food from your diet. Uh, Diet elimination alone does not fix food intolerances, and I go into depth on that course. And then I have one called the Mastitis Mini Course, which is super great for those of you who are like, oh no, I have a plug duct or I have mastitis. What the heck am I supposed to do? I don't want to take antibiotics or it's real minor but I don't want it to get worse. The mastitis mini course is for you. And this may even be information that you want to get ahead of time so that you're not rushing to Amazon or the store uh, in the midst of feeling really, really yucky. And then the final one is uh, secrets to making more milk, which are obviously not so secret anymore because I've had several students go through the course. Uh, But I go through the five easy steps to making more milk, the do's and don'ts of milk production, and which herbs would be right based on your health history. So not all galactagogue herbs are created equal. They are not for everyone. So it's really important that you know which ones are correct and also the best pumping strategies to get you the most amount of milk in the least amount of time and a lot more. So that's what I currently have available. If you did not know that, each of these courses is currently priced at $27 each. These are super duper accessible. If you wanted to get all four, you can actually combine them and do a little bundle and you can get all four courses for $87. So a lot of you guys didn't know that. I get a lot of questions on things and these courses should answer a lot of your questions. So there we go. Uh, But today's episode, I wanted to get into with you is going to be me sharing my own breastfeeding journey with my son. Uh, He is now seven years old, so this journey will begin uh, seven years ago, and uh, a lot of you have asked to hear my story. Some of you may have heard me tell bits and pieces of it on some other podcast interviews that I've done. Uh, or just on some social media posts. Uh, But instead of it being piecemeal, I'm going to tell you the story from start to finish. So let's get into it. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. 
And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. All right, welcome to this episode where I promised you that I'm going to finally share in its entirety uh, my journey with breastfeeding my son. Uh, Actually, I don't have this, you know, pre-scripted out or anything like that. So if this gets too long, I might break it up into two episodes, but we will see how this goes. And I'll do an entirely separate episode for breastfeeding my daughter, who's Uh, about to turn four, that's an entirely different breastfeeding journey. So uh, my son, like I said in the intro, he is seven years old now and recently turned seven. So my pregnancy with him, I did not do what I do today. For a profession, I was actually a stockbroker. And it's so funny, I just was talking to a, a friend of mine and colleague of mine right before I decided to record this episode, and he asked me, what, do you, what did you do before you were a lactation consultant? And I said, stockbroker. And he said, that is the last thing that I thought you were going to tell me. And he's like, I can't, I just can't see you doing that. And I'm like, well, that's rude, but... <laughs> No, he didn't mean it that way. Just that it's just very different. But you know what? There's a lot of parallels. And by the way, being a stockbroker is not like what you saw in the Wolf of Wall Street movie. Okay, it's very, at least when I did it and how I did it in the company that I was with, it was very heart-centered. It was all about helping the clients achieve their financial goals. Uh, it really wasn't, you know, me calling, cold calling people up like, hey, you should buy this new stock. That's not what it looks like. Uh, I'm sure there are people out there doing that, but that's not the way I did it. It was really um, more overall like financial strategy and planning and helping people to grow their money and create wealth for their lives. And so I really, really loved it. I was actually really great at it. And I won't get into all the details of that. Uh, I think you could probably go on my LinkedIn and and read some more there. But um, basically, I was I got pregnant uh, when I was in this profession. And was, uh, I actually got promoted when I was pregnant, which was which was cool, but also kind of uh, a little bit bittersweet just because my husband and I had chatted about it and we sort of planned on me taking off about a year after our child was born. And uh, we did find out his sex uh, when I was pregnant, so we knew he was a boy, which was really cool. And uh, I just kind of felt, I felt bad, you know, because I was doing really well at my job. I was leading a team. They love me. I was, I was coming up for a promotion again. Uh, in fact, on my maternity leave, uh, I met with my manager and she basically let me know that I was getting this amazing just compensation package. And I then had to break the sad news to her a couple weeks later that I was not going to be coming back from maternity leave. So while I was pregnant with my son, I did take a Bradley Method class to prepare for childbirth, which is, if you're not familiar, it's a 12-week long birth class, and it's really, really in-depth. I think each class was probably two hours long, maybe even longer at times, and uh, very centered on having your partner there with you for the birth. And I felt pretty prepared for labor and birth and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, but what I, you know, even though 
they, as part of Bradley Method, they do have you either attend a La Leche League meeting, which is a volunteer breastfeeding organization. It's a nonprofit that's worldwide. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit more in depth here in just a moment. Uh, so I had to attend that or a breastfeeding class. And so the La Leche League schedule didn't really work out for me, but I ended up signing up for a breastfeeding class. Now this class was taught by an IBCLC and I'm not saying anything to disparage her, but I will say that she was a lot older than me, probably had grandchildren. Uh, she worked in the hospital and not so much a uh, private practice setting. And so she taught a lot of breastfeeding theory. And what I mean by that is it's basically a lot of the same education I got becoming a lactation consultant. You know, you get a textbook on human lactation, the benefits of breast milk, you know, why the breast crawl is important and birth interventions are bad. And it's recommended by the World Health Organization that you breastfeed for two years. And that's kind of the education that I got. So at the time when I was pregnant, I thought, great, these are the things that are going to set me up for breastfeeding success. This is awesome. But really, it was more of a class that I would say, looking back, was about helping you decide to breastfeed or not. Because the benefits of breastfeeding, I honestly didn't really take into account when I made the decision to breastfeed. When I got pregnant with my son, I just knew that I was going to breastfeed. It wasn't a question in my mind. It wasn't a decision that I mulled over or had any doubts about, I just knew I would. So for me to go to a breastfeeding class that told me the benefits of the human milk, I found it incredibly fascinating. But, you know, as far as preventing diabetes and cancer and, and all these other things that, you know, breastfeeding does, it didn't really teach me how to breastfeed, if that makes sense. So if you have taken a breastfeeding class that sounds similar to what I just described, I'd actually love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you what you wish you would have learned uh, because uh, prenatal classes are very important to me and I love to set women up for success. And everyone who's ever attended a prenatal class that I've taught has been the easiest client to work with once they do have their babies because they've just already got so much down. You know, I don't have to re-explain everything and when you've just had a baby and you've got new mom brain, it's super hard to retain information as you probably know. So fast forward to uh, the birth. I, I'll kind of skip out on a lot of that birth prep stuff. If you guys really want to hear it, I don't know that it's super relevant to this podcast, but if there's a huge demand for me to tell my birth story, let me know. Uh, again, send me a message on Instagram at Holistic Lactation and I can uh, see if there's enough interest to tell it if you really want to know. But uh, I planned a home birth, um, sort of later in my pregnancy came up to that decision, and it did not end up being at home. We started out there, but we ended up in the hospital with a number of interventions, uh, but he still was born vaginally, and when he came out, he was put right on my chest, which was really great. And it was just a whirlwind. I mean, that moment of seeing my son for the first time was just, there are no words. It's, it's, a, it's a wow moment. It's a, holy cow, like, wow, I'm a mom. And this little miracle is here in front of me. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and for me, it was. And I know a lot of moms describe it that way. I know a lot of moms that have births that don't go the way that they were hoping don't describe it that way. So there's... You know, I'm just telling you my story. 
Uh, so he's there, and I've got my doula and my midwife and the hospital midwife and my husband and some nurses, and I, there's just a lot of people in the room. And it's it just seemed very quick that everybody was just very rushing to get him latched. And I was like, well, well like, hang on a minute here. I want to, like, look at him and just, you know, I, I mean, he'll be okay for, you know, 10 minutes, right? Now, I don't know exactly how much time went by because time was completely irrelevant at that point. But I remember my doula helping me, and I remember very clearly. And if she's listening, please know that you were you were helpful. You didn't you didn't hinder anything. But I was shown how to sandwich my breast, which was quite large from uh, the weight I put on in pregnancy, and then all the IV fluids that I had during labor. And uh, it just was you know I was kind of incapacitated because I was laying on my back and and uh, had a really rough birth, and so I couldn't. You really get into a, a great position. I had to sort of just make it work. And it was just seemed like it was about getting the baby to latch, but not about getting the baby to latch particularly well, if that makes sense. I mean, I think the goal there was to get a good latch, but I, I really felt this pressure to just get him latched at all costs. And he did. And of course, I just was like, I have no idea. I've never done this before. I have no idea what this is supposed to feel like I don't really feel anything and I assume he's getting milk great cool he's latched but I I wasn't shown or taught how to know if he was getting milk to know if it was a good latch nobody covered those two basic things and so the rest of my hospital stay was there for a few days we have this lactation consultant come in uh, she was not she did not have a great bedside manner. She was very forceful. She basically made me feel like I was doing it wrong. And she just came in and she said, here, let me show you. Grabbed my boob, grabbed my baby, and shoved my baby on there. And threw me some hydrogel pads. And that was it. And there was no way that I could recreate that because one, she never taught me how to do it. And two, forcing a baby to get a latch that they're physically incapable of doing ultimately leads to breastfeeding problems. And I experienced a lot of pain and even in the hospital, my nipples were bruised. I would not put those chemical smelling hydrogel pads on my nipples. I did have my organic nipple cream with me, which was a life saver, by the way. Uh, and I just couldn't wait to get the heck out of there. I had some incredibly rude nurses in couplet care. I had maybe one that was sort of nice. In fact, the rudest one thought she was just hot stuff. She actually told me that I'd be getting a survey in the mail about my hospital stay and that to remember her name and to put her name on the survey, like that I really liked her. And I was like, oh, I'm really glad you told me because now I know your name. And I wrote a letter to the hospital complaining because she was so rude to me. But anyway, uh, it was not a joyous experience to be in the hospital post-birth. Now, hopefully you've had a different journey than that. Uh, but it was, it was a struggle. Not to mention that they give you this log to fill out of every single time you feed your baby. They want to know that time you stopped and started the feeding and which breast and like, you know, I know that there's apps for that these days, but quite honestly, that is so not evidence-based in any way, shape, or form. It creates stress. It interferes with my ability to trust myself in feeding my baby. It creates zero self-efficacy. 
I felt like I just have to log numbers. I'm just another statistic. No one really cared to show me. That log doesn't tell anybody that breastfeeding is going well or not. How long your baby was at the breast is no indication of how well your baby did at the breast. And quite frankly, I am kind of angry and upset about it if you can't tell. Because I think it's absolute baloney that women are forced to fill out these sheets in order to get discharged from the hospital. It's not helpful. What it does for the hospital is to allow themselves to inflate their breastfeeding initiation rate statistics and get baby friendly certified, which that's a whole other conversation, by the way. So anyway, we got the heck out of the hospital. Finally, we get home. I just kind of feel like a train wreck. I'm recovering from this birth and these medications, you know, and I just, I did that thing where I allowed family in the delivery room right after and and everybody's holding the baby, passing around my swaddled baby. I, I didn't spend that first few days skin to skin like I should have. Now my milk came in, okay, with kind of a vengeance, but... Uh, I had a very abundant milk supply, perhaps even really an oversupply, and I really spent a lot of time researching. I got home, I started reading The Woman, The Art of Breastfeeding on uh, my Kindle, which is uh, a great book, but it really didn't give me the answers. Like, it didn't, it didn't tell me why I was experiencing breastfeeding pain. It didn't tell me how to fix the latch. I tried to contact a private practice lactation consultant. She said she couldn't see me for two weeks and she was kind of actually really rude about it because what she could have done was said, hey, I'm booked up for two weeks, but here's another colleague that I recommend to you. I literally had no idea that there were other lactation consultants that were far closer than she was. She was like a 30, 40 minute drive from me, which didn't make any sense for me to even contact her anyway. So not only did I not know that there were other lactation consultants, uh, but she just was, I was like, well, in two weeks, it'll, I'll probably have figured it out. I, I'm sure given two weeks, I can do better than I'm doing today. So I didn't book the appointment with her. And then uh, our pediatrician that we chose for our son, she was a lactation consultant. I go in to see her. I ask about positioning and stuff. And she says, well, you don't need all these different positions, just that one. And he looks great. And I was like, okay, but so why do my nipples hurt so bad? And my pain was just very normalized. Well, it'll go away. It'll go away. Give it like a month. It'll go away. Well, I gave it a month and then I gave it a couple more weeks. And about six weeks is when I decided to go to my first La Leche League meeting. And I ventured out of the house, uh, you know, with, with just me and my baby, without my husband, without another family member to support me. The drive there was horrendous because, of course, my son was crying in the car seat and I pulled over probably six times on my way there. He was fine and it was not a far drive either, so it was probably like three miles. We made it and it was the first time I finally felt comfortable. You know, I, I watched these other women breastfeed their babies because I had no idea what breastfeeding in public really looked like. I mean, I had left the house a few times, but it was all just very awkward and uh, we did not leave the house for very long. So here was a safe space in a La Leche League leader's home where I really just got to feel supported. And one of the things I heard there that I had never heard before was that breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. But instead of me receiving that information and asking for help during the meeting, what I did is I internalized that and I kind of, I found myself getting angry. And I said, well, in my head, I said, well, breastfeeding does hurt, and you don't know what it's like 
and you're wrong. And that was my defensive attitude because I felt like I had tried all the things and here I am at this meeting and you're telling me it's not supposed to hurt and it does. And, you know, I just felt, I felt not heard, but that was my interpretation. And I see that now. And I see that in a lot of women. In fact, whenever I've posted on social media that breastfeeding shouldn't hurt, uh, there inevitably is some sort of backlash from women who say, well, it did hurt. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying it didn't hurt you. Clearly it did. It hurt me too, but I'm saying it shouldn't. It's a sign of a problem. So, but the problem with that is that there was nothing presented that, that could be done about it. So I didn't really know that there was a solution to it. And I just kind of thought this is the way things are. Now, about a week later, so the pain sort of subsided and I didn't, I wouldn't describe breastfeeding as painful from, from then on out. However, my son really wasn't a great sleeper. Um, he, and by not a great sleeper, I mean, just woke up very easily, did not sleep for long stretches. He probably didn't go to bed until 11 or midnight most nights and then could, you know, woke up throughout the night several times. Uh, and, you know, I just, I just breastfed him. My solution to everything was, you know, diaper change, breastfeeding, and maybe wearing in the carrier and walking around. And, and really that was all I needed to meet his needs. But I, I guess I just didn't have any other tools in the toolbox. I didn't know what I didn't know. And there just wasn't the same level of support for breastfeeding seven years ago as there are today. So I felt lost, basically. I did ultimately end up stumbling upon some information online that made me think that I had an oversupply. And I do think that I I had a tiny bit of an oversupply, but really the issue was is that he just couldn't handle the flow. And I see this a lot with, of course, babies in my practice, uh, but he really struggled. He would choke a lot at the breast. He would come on and off a lot. He'd get sprayed in the face with milk. These are things that people think are oversupply. Most of the time, they're not. Most of the time, it's an issue of tongue function. And what I didn't discover until my son was much older was that he had a tongue tie and a lip tie this whole time. So he could not feed functionally. He could breastfeed and he breastfed exclusively. He never had a bottle. He never had a pacifier, uh, but he still struggled to breastfeed well. But I did not know, again, what breastfeeding well looked like. I wasn't taught that in my prenatal class. I did not have friends around me. I didn't have lactation supporters around me. Uh, La Leche League meeting, those babies were a lot older. Some were even toddlers. So that didn't really apply to like my two-month-old. And, you know, breastfeeding photos online, you know, those beautiful stock photos, really didn't teach me much either. So I persevered. I just breastfed. I just did. And uh, we made it through. I, I will say that looking back, now I see. I see photos of him and I see the blister on his upper lip. And I see his his tongue coated in milk, and I see his tongue hanging out on the floor of his mouth, and I see his baby acne, and I see all these things now that I used to feel a lot of guilt about, like, oh gosh, but you know, I just didn't know what I didn't know. But here's where the shift happened for me. You know, I started attending these Lola League meetings. I created a mom's group because I didn't really have any friends with kids and I wanted to make some. And this mom's group today, I think, has like 3,500 members, which is really, really cool. And it's all just local, you know, Phoenix moms. 
So I, I created a bit of a community. I decided that I wanted to become a La Leche League leader. And at nine months is when I could apply to go through that process, which took several months. And you have to go through a test and, and just do various things. I hosted La Leche League meetings in my home. So breastfeeding actually, knowledge of breastfeeding became a, a sort of a hobby for me. I was just naturally drawn to it. It's kind of like I didn't choose it. It chose me. And because I always knew that something wasn't quite right with breastfeeding. It's like I just never really stopped searching for answers. So that led me to ultimately become a La Leche League leader. And I did that for uh, a little over a year. It was really great. And in that time, I decided that I wanted to actually become an IBCLC. So I became a lactation educator first. I took a course through Arizona State University, which I don't think they're offering at the moment anymore. Uh, And I decided to teach breastfeeding classes. So I started out with my mom's group and just midwives and people that I connected with in my community there. And then just hit the ground running with going through my studies and got myself up to do clinical hours which was really, really exciting. Now, I know this podcast is kind of veering a different direction here. I do get a question probably every single day from someone who contacts me and says, how do I become an IBCLC? But not even that, just how do I become an IBCLC like you? What what did you specifically do? So for those of you asking, I did Pathway 1. I combined my hours of service as a La Leche League leader. And I didn't just take the 500 hours that they give you. I actually did phone support. I signed up for that quite often. I attended meetings of two different chapters. I really, really did pour in the hours to help people to get those 500 hours for the year. Uh, And I also decided to fast track it by... Uh, it was sort of a chance gig that I got to be a front desk assistant for a chiropractor that I knew, and she ran a breastfeeding clinic with a couple of other IBCLCs, and I got to be invited in to observe that, and through observing that, we sort of had a conversation about, you know, is this a possibility that I can get some clinical hours this way? Well, I contacted IBLCE, which is my board, and I had to get approval, but they did approve me for that, so I got Uh, a little more than half of my hours from uh, working in that office and getting my clinical hours there with a breastfeeding clinic we ran twice a week and supporting other breastfeeding patients as they came in and then La Leche League. So that's what I did. It was a very unique pathway and it was really great. And no, I'm, I'm not an RN. I wasn't in the health sciences previously, as you heard in the intro to the podcast here. So That's really my story. It doesn't quite end there, though. So breastfeeding chugged along. We started solids at six months. He seemed to be doing okay, but there were things that I thought were normal that really weren't, where like he would chew up food and spit it out because he struggled with chewing and swallowing because of the tongue tie, which I didn't know at the time. Around nine months, uh, I had heard the word tongue tie for the first time, and I didn't really know what it was. I It didn't pique my interest. I didn't really look into it. But then I started hearing more about it. And this is when some providers in my community were starting to treat it and things of that nature. Uh, Ultimately, the chiropractor that I ended up working for really found my son's lip tie. And we drove two hours to another city in my state uh, to see a provider to treat it there. Because this was someone... I was told that had a lot of experience and expertise. 
And so we went to go see her and I asked three times at that appointment if he was tongue-tied. I said, if we're here and we're doing this, let's do it all. And I was assured that he was not tongue-tied, but as we all know, he was. So we get the lip tie treated. He's still nursing at 21 months old. We get the lip tie treated. I was there to see him get the numbing injection. Of course, he cried. They had a couple of hygienists there with a very large swaddle around him trying to support him. They ultimately got the procedure done. He nursed right after. And for the first time in my breastfeeding journey, breastfeeding actually felt comfortable. It felt good. And it was such a huge light bulb moment where just all these realizations came flooding into my brain because like I described, the first couple months of breastfeeding were really painful for me. And then that pain subsided, but I never knew because I had never experienced it, that breastfeeding could actually feel good. It wasn't that it felt bad all these previous months, almost two years of breastfeeding. I wouldn't describe that. I never felt like I was sore or uncomfortable. But I now I experienced something that I just had never experienced before, that breastfeeding actually felt good. He had so much deeper of a latch. And the craziest thing was, again, we only did the lip tie, not the tongue tie. Now, I'm not telling you this story so that you think that getting the lip tie fixed and you don't need to treat the tongue tie is the answer. That's not true. Okay. But um, it does mean that lip ties play a role. Absolutely. And even at 21 months, right? So the other thing was that he was getting so much more milk. So I remember the dentist sitting there with me and she said, you know, I didn't know what to expect doing this procedure on a 21 month old. And I really haven't had too many of them who are still nursing. I wouldn't have expected to get him more milk. I wouldn't have expected to make a big difference. And the reason we really did the procedure was because he was getting some cavities on his teeth because of his lip tie. So food was getting trapped there and he was getting cavities. So that was, there was a true dental reason to get it done, but the benefits to breastfeeding were great. They were amazing. And so we continued our breastfeeding journey past the age of three. And of course, at that time, you know, the closer he got to age four, you know, he was maybe nursing once a week or something like that. Uh, And I was kind of sad to end it, but, you know, I was also pregnant with my daughter and, Really, the end of my breastfeeding journey there with him is that I got pregnant with my daughter. He was still nursing. I did experience huge, huge nursing aversion really during my second trimester. Like nursing him just was so just I really, really, I don't want to say hated it, but like the feeling I would get, I would just cringe when he was latched. I couldn't stand it. I just wanted to run away. And I decided that because I was so into pursuing my board certification, I was almost done. Uh, Well, I was done with my clinical hours at that point. I was just waiting for the exam that I would just push through. I can breastfeed. I can breastfeed through this. Uh, And I will say that's probably one of the, the bigger mistakes that I made in my breastfeeding journey was pushing through it. What I wasn't doing was listening to my own body and I wasn't acknowledging that maybe there was a need for my body to wean him and pushing through it. It left a very negative, just memory of breastfeeding the way it ended because he kind of stopped nursing around 40 weeks pregnant. And then my daughter was born when I was 42 weeks pregnant and he wasn't super interested in tandem nursing when she was born, 
uh, but he did here and there. And as much as I, I actually started to feel afraid before my daughter was born that I wouldn't enjoy breastfeeding her because I really wasn't enjoying breastfeeding my son at that point. And I was actually scared. I was truly, truly scared that I would not enjoy breastfeeding with her and I would experience that same aversion. And I just didn't know what to do about it. And I'm even getting a little emotional just talking about it because I didn't know what to expect. Even though I had all this education and clinical hours, this wasn't one of those commonly talked about you know, breastfeeding things. Not many people make it that far in their breastfeeding journey. Now a fair number of you do, which is amazing. And everybody's different. I'm not saying everyone should wean during their pregnancy. Some mothers don't experience that breastfeeding aversion, right? But she was born, she latched soon after birth, and of course it was enjoyable. But I thought the nursing aversion then would go away with my son. So a few days after she was born, we kind of, you know, reintroduced him to nursing. And I had aversion with him still. It was like my body just said, nope, one baby at a time. And I would nurse her. It was great. Right after I'd nurse him, it was awful. And so that was really when he didn't have a ton of interest in it anyway. Uh, You know, maybe for nap time or something like that. I don't even think he was nursing before bed. Uh, But it just kind of gradually died out over, over the next little while, over the next several months, really. And I was totally okay with that. I was really kind of ready to just, you know, be nursing just my daughter. And primarily I did just nurse her and I didn't even nurse him every day. And that was the end of my breastfeeding journey. So would I give myself some advice now looking back? Yes, the advice I would give myself would be to listen to my body, to listen to my emotions, to listen to my needs, and to have asked for some more support. You know, I did try to read everything I could from books that I had and you know, La Leche League resources and things of that nature, other lactation consultants that I knew, but ultimately there was just so much emotion tied up in that ending of breastfeeding with my son that I I didn't want to let it go. I wanted to let himself wean, but I was so committed to the letting himself wean that I wasn't listening to my needs too. And so if there's a message that I could have for any mom out there, not even having to do with pregnancy or tandem nursing or any of that, but when it comes time to wean your child, It doesn't have to be a decision that solely your child makes. It can actually be a mutual decision. And it really turned me from this like hardcore breastfeeder at all costs type of person to someone who had a lot more compassion, a lot more understanding. And it really taught me a lot that enabled me to support my clients because weaning should be in in a lot of ways, a celebration of all that you've accomplished right? It's, it's like a, a new milestone. It's, it's a huge accomplishment to look back and celebrate the amount of breastfeeding or the length of time you breastfed. But when we, when we end our, we, you know, we go through the weaning journey and it's either, you know, too forceful one way or the other that you're forcing your child before they're ready. And then they're very upset. Now it creates this, this negative ending, right? And a bad memory. And, Thankfully, I will say that breastfeeding my daughter, which I'll get into on a, on a subsequent episode, was a, a healing experience in many ways, although filled with many more challenges. And um, weaning her, when it came time to wean her, I recognized 
in my body, those, those signs that I, even though I wasn't pregnant with another child, I was starting to experience that nursing aversion. I recognized that. And instead of choosing to suffer through it, like I did with my first, I chose a different way to end that breastfeeding journey. And I'll tell you more about that in the episode where I describe my nursing journey with my daughter. So there is the summary of the nursing journey with my son, my oldest. And, you know, I will say now he's seven, right? And we actually had his tongue tie corrected last year at age six. Uh, He needed to be put under for some dental work to be done. And he really probably needed a lot of that dental work done because of his tongue tie. And so at that same time, we decided to make the decision because his speech had been impacted We had done myofunctional therapy starting two years before that, but he was still having some issues. Uh, So we decided to get his tongue tie treated. Uh, I was very, very fortunate to have a great dentist colleague of mine who's absolutely the best phrenectomy provider here locally be able to partner with my son's uh, restorative dentists, the, the ones who took care of the cavities and did everything else. And they allowed her to come in there and do the procedure in the operating uh space at the same time. So we were super duper blessed to have that done. His sleep was better. His speech was better. So many things were better. And I feel like he did such a great job with recovery, not only because he was breastfed for over three years, but also because we had prepared him with myofunctional therapy. We had prepared him for the procedure and really Now, looking at it, even though he was tongue-tied all that time, he has great dental development in terms of his teeth spacing and his palate width and things like that. So breastfeeding as long as I did actually did set him up for a lot of success. And I do see that now, having worked with older kids, doing myofunctional therapy, and learning how to to do that myself. Uh, So it's, it's a great thing. And I don't have any regrets about not getting his tongue tie treated sooner. You know, I couldn't have done something that I didn't know about. Now, do I wish I knew? I guess, yes. There is a part of me that wish we knew when he was younger. But I still got an amazing breastfeeding journey. I still bonded with my son in an incredible way. I did end up having mastitis once or twice with him, and I had plug ducts a few times. And so probably I could have avoided those things. But you know what? No regrets. I look back and I'm very grateful for that breastfeeding journey because it turned me from a stockbroker into a lactation consultant, host of this podcast, instructor, educator, author, so many other things that who knows where my life would have gone had I never gone down that path. So I'm so incredibly grateful for that journey. I look back on it with with zero regrets, and I do believe that everything happens for a reason. So maybe it was meant to be that we waited until he was older to get his tongue tie released. Perhaps it would not have worked out as well had we got it done as a baby. So you just never know. So I have sometimes a lot of parents, or when I meet with families, sometimes it's even the grandparents who feel this huge sense of regret because now they know their their child has a tongue tie or that they have one, and they just feel so bad. And you know now their kid is 35, and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like so terrible. My message to you is there's nothing to feel terrible about, and it's always still fixable. You can still get it treated. It just will be a longer process, and there may be more involved to it, but 
no regrets, absolutely no regrets. So I hope that was helpful for you. Maybe there's a piece of my story that resonates with you. I would actually really love to hear from you. So Instagram is just the best way to connect with me. If you're listening to this episode and you found it helpful in any way, shape, or form, I'd love for you to just take a little screenshot and share it and uh, tag me in it or send me a DM and let's connect. Uh, Also, if you didn't know this, I am actually looking for other mothers out there to share their breastfeeding journeys on the podcast. If this sounds like something that you're interested in, you can go to my website and you can actually apply to be a guest. If you don't know how to do that or where to find the link, you can actually just send me a DM on Instagram. It's a great way to get a hold of me. Uh, But I am especially looking for um, just, you know, unique stories, uh, especially featuring, uh, you know, women of color or other women like single moms, anybody who's had a really rough time. I'd love to bring just a diversity of stories on here. I would also love to bring wonderful, happy, no problem stories of breastfeeding on her as well, because that's just some great word medicine that we can put out there in the world for moms who are preparing to breastfeed for the first time, or maybe even, uh, you know, a second, third, fourth, or 10th time. So thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me to have your support for the podcast. And if you haven't done so already, please, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You get all the new episodes. Again, I will be sharing uh, the solo episode I'm going to be recording for you about my breastfeeding journey with my daughter, which was way different and very, very intense. Uh, so that'll be coming up. Make sure you're subscribed. And if you if you could, I would so appreciate leaving a review on iTunes because it does help the podcast get discovered by other moms who can feel supported by the information I share here as well. So I will see you on the next episode. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, Studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras and you can get started right now.